Ease back your queasy Kieran's. Welcome to the Blind Boy Podcast. If you're a brand new listener, maybe go back and listen to some earlier episodes. I often encourage people to begin at the start so you can familiarise yourself with the lore of this podcast. If you're a regular listener, you know the crack. If you were listening last week, you know that one of my cats is quite ill. So loads of people have been asking me for an update. So she's slightly better. She's not dead. She's not poisoned, which is good. That's what I thought last week. Um, most likely what's wrong with her is she has a like an abscess in her mouth or her tooth. So she can't eat. She's drooling. She's quite weak. I've been in contact with vets. I've been in contact with animal rescue people. The only way for me to help her is if I can catch her because she's a wild cat. She's feral and I can't get anywhere near her. So the vets weren't able to give me a trap, neither were animal rescue people. They're all out on hire at the moment. People must be trying to catch a lot of fucking cats. So currently I'm feeding her beef broth. She's drinking water. She's recovering very slowly. And then when I get that opportunity to fucking actually catch her and bring her to the vets, that's going to happen. So not ideal, but she hasn't been poisoned. So that's fucking, I'm happy with that. And then my other cat, he he just keeps eating her fucking beef broth. Her brother. And I'm like, would you stop? Don't be eating your sick sister's beef broth, you capitalist bollocks. I'm f- feeling contempt for him, which I don't like. And he's, what was he doing yesterday? He, he a moth landed on his arsehole. Perfectly on his arsehole. It was like the, the film poster for Silence of the Lambs with the moth on Jodie Foster's face, except it was his arsehole. So this moth landed on his arsehole and he just jumped six feet into the air. He's an odd boy. But that's the update on the cats. She's slightly better. It's not ideal, but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So last week's podcast was... It was about Irish cultural artefacts. It was a podcast that was requested of me. I did a podcast about... The cultural significance in Ireland of the deodorant links Africa and Irish teenage discos. So I did that because people were asking me. And even after I did it, a few people said to me on social media, Oh, after you put out that podcast about teenage discos and links Africa, they were talking about teenage discos and links Africa on the radio. They must have been listening to your podcast. And it's like, no, they weren't. It's just that Teenage Discos and Lynx Africa is the most cliched thing to be spoken about right now in Irish media, whether it be podcasts or radio. Probably because the people who are making the content are what you'd call geriatric millennials, which is a, a terrible term. But geriatric millennial is the term that's used for <laughs> millennials who are in their 30s and moving into their 40s. But I enjoyed doing last week's podcast. I did enjoy it. I do like investigating Irish cultural artefacts. And it's a lot of fun. And I get to tell anecdotes that I'd forgotten about. So I think I'm got, I'm veering towards something similar again this week. Because my brain has just been in that territory. Um, Like even this week on Twitter. There was this really funny viral, viral thread amongst Irish people. Where... Someone pointed out that in Ireland, if you if you try and be in any way fashionable 
in Ireland, if you wear a, a, a hat or a piece of clothing that's out of the ordinary in Ireland, especially if it's a rural place, you run the risk of someone giving you a nickname that will stick with you for the rest of your life. And it can be terrifying. So it forces people into conformity. Unless you live in Dublin, then it's a different story. Then you can wear what you want. But if you live outside of Dublin and you decide to do something adventurous with your clothes, you better be careful because you'll get a nickname that sticks forever. I'll give you some real examples, ones that I, I know of. Like there's a fella in West, in a village in West Limerick and his name is Style. Because he, because he wore a leather jacket once to the pub 15 years ago and they decided to call him Style. Or there's a <laughs> there's a fella and his his name is Spider because his friend saw him buying four pairs of jeans in the shop once. Which is very good. I like that. Or this one isn't clothes related. And I, I can't confirm this. I can't. I heard this one, so I can't confirm if it's true. But it's too good not to say it. There's a fella, and his real name is Wayne Bruce. So his nickname is Manbat. I'm not going to explain that, but that's very clever. And then there's just silly examples. Like someone said on Twitter that uh, there was a fella who went to school and he ended up with ingrown toenails. So because he had ingrown toenails, he had to have them seen to or taken out or something. <laughs> Which meant that he had to wear sandals to school for a week. And from then on, like into adulthood, he's called Moses. And I, I don't know how uniquely Irish that phenomenon is. But everybody had a fucking example. And then the thread went so viral that a lot of Americans had seen it. And the Americans are like, wow, Ireland sounds like a horrible place to live in. But I think I think what I want to do the podcast on this week, like I was going to do a hot take this week about the history of wellness culture and how it's rooted in Victorian Germany. This is something I was researching. But I just, I was like, I'm going to save that for another week. Because I couldn't keep my mind away from specific, very strange, specific Irish things and just going, what the fuck's that about? And one thing I'd like to investigate, because it's too mad, it's just too insane to walk away from it, is Irish people and our unique relationship with telephones, right? And this is a bit of it, this is a real geriatric millennial topic because I'm old enough to remember when mobile phones didn't exist. Now, it was in my childhood, but I remember mobile phones not existing. And you had two types of telephone. There was the public telephone, which was in the middle of the road, in a box, in a phone box. And then there was the fucking, the phone in your house, the house phone, of which there was just one. Most people just had one, and it was at the end of the stairs in your hallway. And then there was the hybrid between the two, and this was quite rare. This is what we had. This is what you had if you had a fucking large family. Because I come from a family of eight people. If you had a large family, then the telephone bill would be very high if eight people are using the phone. So we had in my house a hybrid between a fucking public phone and a house phone. 
It was basically a coin-operated phone in the hallway. So if one of my brothers wanted to fucking make a phone call, my dad's like, there's no way I'm having fucking all of ye ringing your friends. I won't be able to afford the telephone bill. So you had to have your own money to put into a phone in your own fucking house. You had to have 20p to put into a coin-operated phone in your own hallway. And that's what we had for a while. But Irish people, as a culture, we never really we never really relaxed around telephones. It's we kind of treated telephones like like a wild animal that needed to be tamed rather than a piece of technology that worked for us. It's it's as if we didn't fully believe like when we used the telephone we didn't really believe that it was doing what it was supposed to do so we developed these kind of weird ad- adaptive behaviors to try and tame the telephone that we're using a classic example and this is this is something that dads used to do this is a real male use of a house telephone so and i blame this one on, on emigration in ireland so many people having to leave the country so depending on how far away the person is that you're ringing shouting to accommodate that distance so if my dad was ringing someone up in Dublin he would slightly raise his voice because it's like I'm ringing Dublin from Limerick I better raise my voice and if he's talking to someone in London he's screaming down the phone and the Irish person that he's talking to in London is screaming down the phone at him and both men fully believing that it is perfectly rational to the point that they are destroying the conversation to scream into the phone because the person they're talking to is over in London. So that doesn't exist anymore. That was house phone behaviour. Mobile phones have gotten rid of that. I, I think only the oldest of owl lads would scream into a mobile phone if the person they're speaking to is, a, is in another country. But mobile phones got rid of that. Another bizarre Irish phone behaviour, which still exists, which still exists in the mobile phone era, I fucking do this, right, is when an Irish person says goodbye on the phone, we, we bid farewell as if it's a type of very friendly automatic weapon. Like, I could, be, I could be on the phone to someone who's... someone I'm working with who's English, okay, or Welch, and they think I'm insane because we'll be having a conversation and then they'll say, all right, goodbye, and then I'll say, all right, best of luck, God bless, all right, bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-b
Now, that shouldn't exist in the mobile phone era, but I can understand. So I'm trying to contextualise it. I can't tell you why it's exclusively Irish. I can't tell you that. I, I have a theory around the physicality of house phones or even public telephones, right? So in Ireland, especially rural Ireland, and in particular in, in older Ireland, Ireland before the Celtic Tiger, there was once a time where we as a country were not absolute capitalistic pricks. And in that Ireland, saying hello to people was very important. Saying hello to strangers, you would just say hello to strangers and say goodbye to strangers. This is what happened in Ireland. It still happens in rural areas. It's quite um, socially important. So I have two theories. Two theories as to why Irish people say goodbye 19 times on the phone. First theory, very simple. The fear of the other person thinking that you didn't say goodbye. Because old telephones weren't reliable. They would crackle, they would cut out. So the Irish person is thinking, if I say goodbye once, what if that cuts out and then I hang up the phone and I sound rude? So instead what I'm going to do is I'm just going to saturate the end of the conversation with as many goodbyes as possible. And if one of them gets cut out, grand, there's another 18. And I definitely didn't leave the conversation without saying goodbye. That's theory number one. Theory number two is a bit more extreme. Theory number two again has to do with distance. So if your dad is like, I better shout really loudly into this phone so the person over in London can hear me because they're so far away. It doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't understand the phone. It means fundamentally in his heart he doesn't trust it. He doesn't believe the promise that the phone is making. He's like, I'm going to go along with this phone but nah, there's something, I don't trust this. So I'm going to scream so the person in London can hear me. We have a cultural distrust of telephones. We view them as a type of English trickery. Classic example, and this is really grandmother behaviour, but your grandmother could be on the phone to like an electrician. And then she comes off the phone and she says, I was talking to the man in the phone. And in your grandmother's mind at that time, like she wasn't talking to a human being on the other end of the phone. She was talking to a a miniaturised changeling clone of that person that lived in the phone. So what's my other theory as to why Irish people say goodbye 19 times on the phone? I, if you think of the mechanics of using an old telephone, so you're holding it up to your ear and then you literally hang it up. You take it from your ear and you place it on the receiver. So that's a journey of about a quarter to a half of a second. And I think that when Irish people say goodbye 19 times, they're trying to create the aural effect of walking away from someone. So if you say goodbye, 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 it, it sounds like you're walking away. It's, it's an inverted version of your father screaming on the phone when he's talking to someone in London. It's, I'm going to keep saying goodbye as I move the phone away from my mouth and down to the receiver. And that will sound like I'm slowly leaving the room. But yet we still do it. We still do that now with mobile phones. Which makes which makes that particular phone, Irish phone quirk, more bizarre. Because now I'm on a WhatsApp call. 
high fidelity audio WhatsApp call. And I'm not taking the phone away from my ear as I hang up. Because I'm not hanging up, I'm pressing a button. So I'm not taking the phone away from my ear. And I'm just saying goodbye 19 times really quickly and really loudly to a fella called Simon from Northumbria. And he's just like, what, what's wrong with this man? And, and I've tried, I've tried saying goodbye once. I've tried just saying goodbye once. It doesn't feel right. It feels like, it feels like leaving the toilet without zipping your pants up. You know, so I just have to. Gluck, gluck, goodbye, bye, touch you later, right, goodbye, good, right, gluck, 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 all right, gluck, 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 gluck. So now we're going to get to this, the strangest behaviour that Irish people exhibit on the phone. And this is the one that I'm going to have to dedicate the entire of this podcast to because I was battling with it all week, saying to myself, I can't do a full podcast on that, can I? And then I was like, the fact that I'm asking myself that question so much means I have to. I have to try. Like, sometimes... Sometimes it's good to go with the most stupid idea you can think of. You know, to avoid the fear of failing. Go with the most stupid idea you can think of. So I'm going to try and dedicate a whole fucking podcast to, to this one specific thing. So this is mostly Irish women. Occasionally Irish men, but very heavily Irish women of a certain age. This, do you remember being a kid, right? And you're listening to your... Your mother is on the phone... Usually with a friend. And their friend is telling them... Kind of bad news. Nothing terrible. But their friend is venting. Their friend is venting. And your mother is listening. Right? And then as your ma is listening on the phone... She starts making this really... Alien sound. She starts going... Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, all of a sudden, your mother, who you've known only as someone who breathes out when they speak. When your ma speaks, usually she words come out of her mouth. Now, she's on the phone and it's like, the fuck is... She's inhaling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's universal. That's... Irish women of a certain age on the phone listening to another person and then the word yeah agreeing is now being inhaled it's now being sucked back into their body it, like uh, so tell me Cassandra did your son wash the, your Labrador as he promised on Saturday did he wash it he didn't why not oh no what happened to him are you serious? Oh, tell me. And then sometimes they'll go on a tirade of, of like, and they're, they're inhaling so much in agreement that it starts to, to colonize the sentences. So they're like, he didn't wash the dog. Oh, what a t- terrible thing to happen to him. Awful. Terrible. 
and now they're inhaling a, a sentence. I'm out of breath even doing that. It's it's because it's so impractical. When we speak, we breathe out. We don't breathe in. But yet, there's this odd little artefact in Irish speech, specifically older Irish women, and they do this when they're speaking to other women. It's a marker of, of empathy. It's a way of listening. And what the fuck is that? What in the love of fuck is that? So I had to embark on a journey to find out what is it called? Has anyone studied it? Does it is, is it present in other parts of the world? Is it uniquely Irish? And why the fuck does it exist? So that's what I want to look at with this podcast. Now it is worth noting too, I don't hear it as much anymore. It's very, very rare that you hear, especially a younger person, if you hear a younger person, no one is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, I don't hear it. I don't hear it anymore. But one thing I'm wondering is, do I need to apply white dog shit theory to this? Which I've, this is a theory I've used before. So, white dog shit. When I was a child, there was lots of white dog shit. Okay? Um, Now I'm an adult, I don't see white dog shit anymore. Does that mean that white dog shit doesn't exist because they've changed the diets? Or, because I'm not a child, I'm just not in the areas where white dog shit is. When I was a child, hanging around on the road, hanging around fields, spending a lot of time on the ground... I was encountering a wealth of dog shit in general and therefore I saw a lot of white dog shit. Okay, so here's the thing with yeah, 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 yeah. Is that the white dog shit of the linguistic world? Like th- that's the name of this thesis. I heard that a lot as a child because, okay, number one, we had an actual physical telephone in the hallway of my house. So that meant... There was no privacy around telephone conversations. And when you're a little kid, when when your ma's on the phone to her friend, it, it and she's like on it for like an hour, you just get bored and start bothering your ma or hanging around your ma or listening to her conversation. So I was hearing way more. Also, it wasn't just it wasn't just phone conversations. It definitely happened mostly on the phone. But if I was in a supermarket with my man, I was a child, and she met a friend, and she's having a conversation with a friend, then her and her friend are, are going to mutually start going, yeah, 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 yeah. So, <clears throat> I was around a lot of mas when I was a child, basically. I was around a lot of mothers. So, did I just hear it more? Or, now that I'm an adult, has it actually disappeared? And what the fuck is it? And what's the point of it? So, firstly, my own kind of uninformed theory around it. This is something I've been thinking about for a long time. Like, I remember being at least seven and noticing it. Really noticing. What the fuck is that noise that my mother and other women make? What's that? What's the point of that? And I call it now, I, I, I call it an empathic 
inhaled vocalization because if you think of the context that that noise is used in it's a listening noise so when your ma was speaking to her friend and her friend was like I said venting not giving terrible news nothing really terrible but not necessarily good news just venting right so when your ma's friend was venting your ma would say yeah 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 as a signifier that she's really listening so it's it's an empathic way of speaking but we we have to address the fact that all words are exhaled when we speak we're pushing air out of our lungs so what's going on in this very moment of empathy where Irish women feel that in order to listen you now must not in agreement but inhale every word now my theory was that you're trying to you're trying to make your mouth like your ears so it's like I'm listening so much to what you're telling me that I'm not just taking your words in in my ears but I'm inhaling the words from your mouth I'm listening so much that I am inhaling your words and my mouth in in this moment is temporarily also an ear it's also a gasp you know when when someone is is venting to you you kind of want to be shocked at performatively shocked at the news that they're telling you Oh, shocking. Oh, that's terrible. That's shocking. That's shocking. So, <gasps> is also a shock. Because when you get shocked, you gasp. You know? <gasps> oh, Jesus Christ. <gasps> like that. So, it's it's an amalgamation of that. So, so, you're shocked and you're inhaling the other person's words because your mouth is now an ear. So, it's actually quite beautiful. As an empathic tool, I think that's actually very a very beautiful empathic tool to suck another person's words into your lungs if they're venting their frustrations and to let them know that you're present I think that's really beautiful now another theory I had which I don't think stands up but I'm going to say it anyway because there might be something in there is I was of the opinion that this type of vocalisation emerged because of the physical labour of using an old phone so if you think about like if you make a phone call nowadays on, on a fucking iPhone, there's no physical labour involved. You can put it on speakerphone, you can sit back in your bed, you can throw in a set of headphones. There's no physical labour involved in a long phone call now. Alright? Back in the day, it, with a house phone, you had to sit on the end of your stairs, your arm got tired, sitting on the end of the stairs isn't particularly comfortable, you're crunched forward. So I was thinking maybe this inhaling vocalisation was something that emerged as a coping mechanism to the physical constraints and labour of simply speaking for an hour while sitting at the end of the stairs holding the thing up to your fucking head. But I don't think that stands up because A, it doesn't explain why it's an Ireland-only phenomenon and it doesn't explain why that vocalisation was also present in real-life conversations. Like, not just your ma, but... Like, I remember school teachers. Like, I remember being a little kid, you'd be a little, being a child in school, and I'd, I'd have a female teacher, 
and then one of the other female teachers might visit the classroom and then while you're sitting down working the two female teachers are having a private conversation at the top of the room so they're whispering to each other and I always because we had to be quiet because when you're a child in fucking school the teachers like everyone be quiet so you're there and the two teachers are at the top and they're going it's a yeah, 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 and you'd hear the inhaled vocalizations louder because they couldn't regulate that volume. So that that was my opinion on that was I didn't look into it further. I'd kind of formed my own opinion on it. I'd decided myself what it was. I'd called this an inhaled empathy noise. Like I said, I thought, okay, something has happened in Irish culture whereby if someone is venting, we try and inhale their words as an act of listening with our mouths. Isn't that lovely? And I'd left it at that. And then one day I was on YouTube and I heard this clip of a woman from Norway speaking and it shattered my entire worldview. Uh, somebody who have it's a bird who has taken out the... Yeah. Oh. So it's not in there anymore, that's no. a shell. A bird ate it. It's only a shell. <gasps> a bird ate it? Yep. Uh-huh. So fuck me. I heard that and I'm like, that's a woman from Norway. Now she's speaking English, but I clearly heard her twice go, <gasps> the inhaled, agreeing, listening sound. So it was that point that I started to go, right, I need to fucking research this. I went down to my academic sites. I went looking through linguistic journals to try and figure out does this have a name? Uh, why is a woman in Norway doing this? What is the crack with... <laughs> you know? But before we do that, it's time to have... Will we have an ocarina pause or will we have a... <laughs> pause. No, fuck it, man. I need to blow out. No, I th- we'll compromise. I'm gonna suck the ocarina. I'm gonna faint. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do. There'll be so much inhaling, sharp inhaling happening with this fucking podcast that I'm gonna faint. Okay. So why am I? I okay. All right. Ocarina pause. <clears throat> but I'm gonna fucking inhale, and not knock myself out. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
That was the inhaled ocarina pause. <laughs> you would have heard <laughs> an advertisement for some fucking shit. I don't know. Some fucking shit that I had to sell you to honour my contrast with a- contract with Acast. Fuck me. So support for this podcast comes from I feel like I'm after fucking climbing Mount Everest man support for this podcast comes from you the the listener via the Patreon page patreon.com forward slash the blind boy podcast right Um, so this podcast is my full time job this is how I earn a living this is how I pay my bills this is what gives me financial security and it's also, it's it's quite a bit of work. I put a huge amount of research into each episode. As you're going to tell, as this one progresses, I went quite deep on a, quite a niche subject. I love doing it. I adore this fucking job. And all I'm asking for is the price of a pint or a cup of coffee once a month. If you listen to this podcast, if you enjoy it, if you're consuming it, please just consider paying me for the work that I'm doing if you're consuming it. If you can't afford to, if you don't have any money right now, if you don't have a job, don't worry about it. That's fine. But if you can afford to pay me for the work that I'm doing, you're also paying for the person who can't afford. So it's a lovely model that's based on kindness and soundness. All right. Everybody gets the same podcast. I get to earn a living. It's it works wonderfully. And thank you to all my existing patrons. It also keeps this podcast independent. All right. I, I get to make what I want to make. I don't have to be beholden to an advertiser. And most importantly, it gives me a space to make fucking ideas. Like, Jesus Christ, I would love to go to like RTE, which is Ireland's national broadcaster, and say to RTE, let me make a one hour documentary about the Irish phenomenon of, and I guarantee you, I will make you a one hour documentary that will be really fucking good. I guarantee you. Just give me a budget to do it. Not a fucking hope. I won't even be allowed in the door. Not a chance. But who gives a fuck? I can do a stripped down, effective version of it right here without needing any fucking RTE or any TV station, anyone, funded by you, the listener. Completely independent with all the bullshit cut out. So patreon.com forward slash the blind by podcast. Thank you. Um... Also, share the podcast, right? If you like the podcast, share it on your social media. Tell people about it. Do that for any independent podcast that you like, okay? Word of mouth is really important. Leaving reviews, liking the podcast on whatever app you're using. You know the crack. Follow me on Instagram, Blind by Ball Club. And check me out on Twitch once a week, Thursdays, half eight. Twitch.tv forward slash the blind by podcast. Yurt. So the Irish linguistic phenomenon uh, of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck is this? Um, so another little cute... So there was that clip of the woman from Norway clearly doing it. That sparked my brain. And then another thing I saw, which really was like, wow, okay, this is a big deal. I saw this thing shared online, right? And what it was was like a cultural guide for Australian people who were visiting Ireland. So it was like... Here's an example, for Australians, here's an example of some little quirks in Irish culture that you might need to understand before you visit Ireland. And one of them was, and I'm going to read it out, ingressive sound. 
Some Irish people may inhale or inject short breaths while saying yes during a conversation to show agreement. It sounds similar to a gasp accompanied with the word yes. This linguistic mannerism may be unfamiliar to many Australians, so don't be alarmed if you hear your Irish counterpart make this noise. Brackets, nor ask them if they have a problem with breathing. Fuck me. So, there's this, the Australian guide for Australian people visiting Ireland had to warn them that when you go to fucking Ireland, Paddy's going to start gasping, right? And don't be rude and <laughs> don't be rude and ask them if they've trouble breathing. And what was helpful for this for me is it now had a name. Because I can't go into Google and type in when your ma goes, yeah, 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 and expect to find an answer. But now I have a name for it. It's called an ingressive sound. So immediately I started fucking typing ingressive sound into my academic search engines. And I came across an incredibly fascinating paper that was published by a linguist called Eleanor Tom in 2005. And it was her, it was her MA thesis in linguistics. And the title of it was The Gaelic Gasp and its North Atlantic Cousins. So the actual name within linguistics for is ingressive pulmonic speech. That's what it's known as, ingressive speech. And it's present in Ireland, parts of Scandinavia, Norway, Denmark, um, Scotland, especially in the islands off the north of Scotland, Newfoundland, which is an island off the coast of Canada, Prince Edward Island, which is another island off the coast of Canada, and an island off the coast of Maine in America. So only in these areas do we find this examples of ingressive speech where people inhale when listening to other people. And this study that I found is exhaustively, it draws on a lot of other studies as well, exhaustively examined how this type of speech was being used in all these individual countries and who was using it and why they were using it and when they were using it. And what I found particularly interesting is first off the relationship between gender, right? So the study had this to say about the use of aggressive speech in Dublin, right? So it said almost all of the aggressives he heard were used in female-to-female conversations, but one was uttered by a female talking to a male. No aggressives were heard in male-to-male conversations, and there was only one example of a male using an aggressive in talking in, in talking to his female supervisor. The informants were aged from their early teens to late 60s, and that study took place in 1981 in Dublin. So that backs up when we think of <gasps> why we associate it with our mas will be associated to listening to women speaking. The, the study showed that it is 10 to 1 more likely to be used in female to female conversations. Now what's mad intriguing is when they investigated it more and not only looked at the use of aggressive inhaled speech when it comes to gender, 
they looked at it in terms of power dynamics in the societies where aggressives are present. And it appears to follow the structures of patriarchy. So there's an island called Vinalhaven, which is off the coast of Maine in America. And this little island had huge amounts of Norwegian, Scandinavian and Irish immigration. So pretty much everyone there is descended from either Irish people or Scandinavian people. And ingressive speech is used quite a lot on this island of Vinalhaven. So they did a huge study in Vinalhaven about who is saying, yeah, 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 and who isn't. The results are mad. So in the Vinalhaven study, the sometimes sudden, sometimes gradual decrease in the use of ingressives in adolescent males seems to go hand in hand with the decision or indecision about taking up marine employment and the progression of their apprenticeships with the non-ingressive fishermen learning the trade and seeking acceptance. So in Vinalhaven, where people say, if an adolescent male decides, he it's an island, so if an adolescent male decides he wants to become a fisherman or work in some way within the marine trade, then this man stops using ingressive speech. And the study says to make sense of these unusual findings, Peters had to consider the hierarchical structure and social codes of Vinalhaven. The men who worked on boats either for fishing or for the ferry were at the top of the social scale and commanded the most respect. Peters found a similar situation in Ireland. In Ross Lair and in Wexford, he mentions overhearing two men and one woman using ingressive speech. In each case, the ingressive user was in a position of inferiority and was expressing defensiveness or respect. So what's a margin there, which is fucking bizarre, is that to speak ingressively, like my initial analysis of it, me, who knows fuck all, I'm just guessing. I saw it as quite a beautiful thing. It's like this, this is, this is empathic. You're listening with your mouth. You're inhaling a person's words to show them how much you, you can listen. But within a society that's patriarchal, which means male dominated. It appears in the studies that to use aggressive speech is to actually signify lower status in a power dynamic. So in Villahaven, in off the coast of Maine, and in Ireland, men who consider themselves to have status or power or trying to achieve this, they don't do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that would connote weakness within the social construct of patriarchy. And the person who has less power in the conversation, most likely a woman within the social construct of patriarchy, is going to be saying, which that's fucking fascinating and it leads me to think about a possible hot take which I can't verify but just I find that really fucking interesting when I spoke about my white dog shit theory earlier about we don't hear aggressive speech in Ireland as much anymore well I don't think we do is that because, like, if, if you, so I'm thinking back to the fucking 90s and 80s, and the women who would have been saying, yeah, 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 they were born in the 40s, 50s, whatever, and they came from an Ireland whereby 
Like, women weren't allowed... A married woman was not allowed to work in Ireland up until the 1970s, okay? And I'm not saying that today we have equality, we have full gender equality in Ireland. We do not. There's massive problems. But I think it is fair to say that there is... There's greater gender equality now than there would have been, we'll say, in the, in the 1960s or the 1970s. And is the disappearance of ingressive speech an indicator of more gender equality? If this study is finding that ingressive speech is a marker of gender inequality and patriarchy in Ireland and in Vinhaven and also in parts of Scandinavia too. That's just a little hot take. That's the... With white dog shit, the theory is, why is there no more white dog shit? Because the EU brought in laws that meant that dog food had to be better standard and the dog shit stopped being white. So that's the accepted theory about white dog shit. Is, can we say the same about aggressive speech and greater gender equality? Is that too hot a take? Now, the other way to look at look at it is um, so this study is saying that inhaling aggressive speech is used by the less powerful person within a conversation or within a society and if that society is patriarchal women are more likely to use it or a man will use it if he is of lower power status in a conversation it's kind of reductive because you can also view that as a patriarchal society is one that tends not to value things like empathy, compassion and listening. Like, I still think that aggressive speech is, a, is an act of empathy. I still think that because it's, it's a way of saying I'm really listening to you right now. I'm sucking your words in. My mouth is an ear. And that's powerful. I think that's really fucking powerful and a a lovely thing to do for another person. To lend them that much of yourself in a conversation. But in a society which is patriarchal and power-based and based upon the retention of wealth or the retention of property or what can be passed down to sons, in that society... Things like listening, compassion, empathy aren't given any value because they don't make fucking money and therefore are considered of lower status. But if you have a society that actually properly values something like communication, listening and empathy, then that doesn't become something associated with status. That actually becomes something quite powerful. The ability to give another person your time Another reason aggressive speech might be considered lower status under the social construct of patriarchy would be the the act of inhaling during the transaction of speech. The act of inhaling is, is could be viewed as submissive. If you think of things that are valued within patriarchy, so within sex, a man is powerful if he has sex with loads of women. So that sex is a thrusting act. He gives his penis, which is received by the vagina, inhaled by the vagina. Or 
the act of fighting the powerful man hits the weaker man. The weaker man, the, the loser, inhales and absorbs and receives the punches of the stronger man, the more powerful man. So if you look at it, if, if those are the constructed rules of a society, and then you start looking at men going in, in a conversation, inhaling another's words, instead of booming their voice out, instead of giving giving something out like from their chest out, to all of a sudden start going, <gasps> taking it in. You can see how under patriarchy that then demasculates that man under those rules, which is all harsh shit. That's why I'm calling it social construct. It's fucking harsh shit. But I'm trying to show the the scaffolding of the power dynamics that this study is kind of shown with people who are using aggressive speech. Now, another thing the study did is they went at it from like an anatomical point of view. So like, why is aggressive speech mostly a female thing? Well, they found that because of smaller vocal cords that women have, it becomes something that's a lot more easier to do in speech. Whereas for men, you get out of breath quite quickly. One thing quite interesting too about the study, away from uh, the power dynamic stuff, they look, tried to look at it from a historical context. What's going on in these countries? What, what commonalities in these countries do you have where people are inhaling when they talk at certain points? And one thing they found common was the Irish Gaelic tradition of the wren or mummering, Right? So, there's an Irish pagan tradition, which is very, very old, called the Wren, and it happens on the 26th of September, St. Stephen's Day. And one of the traditions here is, is people would dress up, usually in like straw costumes, or they would cross-dress, they'd dress as members of the opposite sex, and disguise themselves, and then they would hunt a wren, which is a type of little bird, and they'd call to people's doors, knock on people's doors. And the people have to, it's kind of like trick or treat. But what these people would do on the Ren Day when they're disguising themselves and disguising their gender is they would engage in a type of speech called mummering. And mummering is where to disguise your voice, instead of speaking outwards, you inhale all your words. So you start talking like that. So that's a, an ancient Irish tradition. You dress up as like a mad fucking ghost on St. Stephen's Day, hunt a wren, call around to people's houses and inhale when you talk. A long-standing Irish tradition. And this then, via Irish emigration, found its way to Newfoundland, to Scotland and up to that place off the coast of Maine. And also King Edward Island, which contains an awful lot of inhaling. So... There's one theory that mummering, or sorry, that fucking aggressive speech, yeah, 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 comes from the tradition of mummering, which is hundreds and hundreds of years old. And it's an Irish pagan tradition. But the most generally accepted theory about where this aggressive inhaling speech comes from is it's most likely from the Vikings. The Vikings coming to Ireland in the 800s so if you look at where people do this it's Denmark Norway the Scandinavia 
where the Vikings came from. And the theory is that the, so the Vikings brought this t- style of speech to Ireland because you have to remember like the Vikings were a big deal in Ireland. All our, our cities like Limerick where I'm from that, that the Vikings founded Limerick City. The Vikings founded Dublin. The Vikings were a big deal and they brought a huge amount of culture and language to Ireland uh, 300 years before English colonisation. So most likely what it is is that the Vikings had this way of inhaling. They brought this to Ireland, the northern part of Scotland where we hear it, except in Scotland it's it's I and it's used uh, in mainly in rural communities and they go like, hi, 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 like that. Uh, the Orkney Islands, all those islands between Scandinavia and Scotland where... Jesus, if you listen to some people from like Orkney, they, they literally sound like they're from Scandinavia. And then it's present in Prince Edward Island and Newfoundland. Like if you've ever heard someone from, for the laugh, go onto YouTube and look up a Newfoundland accent. Newfoundland is, is an island off the coast of Canada. You will not be able to tell the difference between a Newfoundland accent and an Irish accent. So many Irish people emigrated to Newfoundland two, three hundred years ago that their accent didn't change. So when you listen to the Newfie accent, it's like that, that's a 90% Irish person. They sound a bit like they're from Wexford or Waterford. Do you know the way Waterford people kind of sound like they're from Dublin sometimes? Newfoundland sounds a bit like that. So the Vikings gave it to us, then through our emigration, we gave it to Newfoundland and through that island off Maine and that's where we have it and they haven't been able to come to an understanding as to why the Vikings started it is it something to do with the cold weather I don't know so there you go the next time that you hear your ma or whatever going yeah 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 that's most likely over a thousand years old and came from the Vikings and I think we should bring it back. I think we should fucking bring it back because let's not view it as this fucking patriarchal thing where it where it's 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 a sign of of weakness or submissiveness. Place value on listening and empathy. That's what it is. Listening to someone, letting someone know I hear you. That's what it is. I hear you and I'm not going to interrupt you and I'm sucking these words in that you're saying also so as not to drown out what you are saying. I'm all ears and I'm responding to you in this really respectful way that invites you to continue so I can hear and listen to whatever it is that's bothering you. And I think that's really nice and it's really beautiful and it's just a mad Irish thing that we have. And it's so much nicer than your father screaming into the phone really loudly so that someone can hear him in London over the phone. You know? All right, dog bless. Didn't think I could do a full podcast. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But I fucking did. <laughs> I fucking did. I fucking did. And it's always good to follow the ideas that sound absolutely fucking ridiculous to 
to follow my heart on it. Alright, dog bless. I'll catch you next week. I think I might have a little hot take. That was a hot take. Yeah, what was the hot take in that podcast? The big hot take for me there, which I can't verify, is if we take the patriarchal theory of aggressive speech as found by that, uh, as referenced in the study by Eleanor Jossett Tom, if aggressive speech is a signifier of gender inequality, essentially, if that's what that fuddy, fuddy, if that's what that study is saying, that aggressive speech is a signifier of gender inequality, are we hearing less aggressive speech as society becomes a little bit more gender equal? Is, is it, that's the hot take, I think. Is that the reason? Or is it something else? You know, we don't talk as much on the phone. We don't talk as much anymore. Quite a lot of these conversations are happening over WhatsApp now. You know, your friend is venting about their day. You're listening. This could be happening over WhatsApp. Either via voice messages where you have no... Like if someone's sending you a voice message of wait you hear the shit day I had. You're not going to go yeah, yeah, yeah back. You're just going to respond back or you might give an emoji. And what's the emoji equivalent now of yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say it's shocked face followed by a love heart. Because that's Oh my God, that's shocking, but I'm listening and I care about what you're saying. So, shocked face, love heart, might be the emoji equivalent of, you know what I mean? So the way that we communicate is different, so that could also be a huge, there's no point or no need to do it anymore. Alright, I'll talk to you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 